Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt, and we have big breaking news right now as we record. Matt is about to taste for the very first time DiGiorno's pizza with a croissant crust. Matt, are you there? I, I'm here, Ben. I have the, the four cheese uh, uh, DiGiorno croissant crust pizza made lovingly in our oven. 400 degrees for 28 minutes. Okay. Do you know the what smell? cheeses are here? What cheeses are uh, included? There's white and a little bit of yellow. Wow. Oh, I will say, I will say there is an addendum to this pizza though. Okay. An, an addition from, from the home. There, there are fresh bell mushrooms um, from the local farmer's market, but I'm going to remove the mushroom from the first bite. So I have a wow. pure experience. Hardcore. All right. Oh, these are like actually really nicely baked in. They're good mushrooms. All right. Now this is the first time I've ever had this. Uh, we, we, as a, as a homeowner flex, uh, just got a, a, deep chest freezer for our garage so we can have like five or six frozen pizzas in there at a time and still have a freezer and so one of the things i did was i bought a collection of local frozen pizzas and big brand um we'll see how this stacks up i'm going in for the first let me let let me let me move this pop filter out of the way how is this texturally how is it how does it feel in your hand um it it feels all right there is a is it there's a noticeable grease um, the crust at the back, uh, where you, like your standard pizza crust mound would be is, is flaky to the touch. The, um, the middle just feels like a standard dough. It's got like, I would say holding it just from the back with a, with a normal two finger grip. We got about a, I would say like a 40 45 percent like uh like hang so it's not like a brooklyn style no um but it's not it's not holding like up it's not flat which i think is a good sign i think if it's flat it'd be too crispy okay um visually the cheese is well melted got some guys golden crust and gold caramelization on the cheese near the back of the crust okay uh traveling up we have consistent cheese distribution okay um, a little bit of visible sauce. Okay. Uh, which makes me think that the sauce amount is going to be minimum. Mm. Mm. Smell, smell. I can smell again. Oh, that's um, good. I still, I, I still don't have full smell of taste back. It's, I don't have full smell, but I have partial. I, I, so, uh, I made a pumpkin soup over the weekend and I couldn't taste anything. It, it was really disconcerting. So I, I guess the last flavor for me to get back is umami. Yeah, I got to tell you about a recipe I made for stuffed butternut squash. Ooh. Uh, no, st- oh, stuffed acorn squash. My apologies. It's very tasty. Okay, hold on. on the smell scale, it smells like the pizza that you would get at a by the size place. Really? That's good. No. I mean like... Um, oh, do you mean like one of those Brooklyn, it's pizza for a dollar? No, like remember that place, Big G's? Yeah, down. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay, but well, well that's like, not awful. No, no, it's like it smells slightly better than um, Little Caesars. Okay, okay, that's that's like the minimum. But sure, we'll take it. All right, I- I'm going in for the first bite here. First bite. Let's see. If, let's see if I can get this sound on air. I got the I got the pop filter away and the gain turned D- up. Depending on how sassy I am, this will either be completely edited out or I'll have the listeners suffer through it. 
Fantastic. All right, ready? Here we go. Yep. Mm. Okay, I can't okay. hear it, which is a good thing. Don't worry, the microphone picked it up. <laughs> All right, what, what what do we think? All right, so the sauce is delicious. Really? Okay. Like for from like frozen pizza standard, that is some of the best sauce I've had. Um, cheese is is relatively normal. Nothing to write home about. No exceptional flavors. The initial crust, while noticeably different and a little flaky, I feel like the grease and the fact that the crust isn't thicker is really a uh, some diminishing returns there on the uh, croissant promise. So okay. what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do here for the fans, is I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the uh, what is considered a sin to some. I'm gonna take a bite of the pizza from the back, and, and from the wide end. It's okay if it's for scientific purposes. Yeah, this is for science. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Ben. Question: Should I go in straight from the back or go for a side bite where I side get a bite. little bit of what's left get, in front? Get, right. get a corner. Get a corner. Yeah, this is so. This is a corner bite for everybody. We'll see here. Huh? Hmm. Noticeable crunch that time. That is kind of croissanty at the back. Wow. I usually don't like like cheesy croissants. I love like a chocolate croissant sure. or like a, like a raspberry croissant. Sure. But like, from like a hot baked and flakiness perspective, I'm I'm pretty satisfied. The the butt, the uh the poop deck of this pizza does flake open like a like an oven baked store bought croissant. I, I guess then the the biggest question is that how does this stack up in general? Like, is this worth it? Is this a is this a doable frozen pizza? Uh, yeah, this is going to go into the uh, will rebuy every time I buy frozen pizza list. Wow. All right. Now, well, congratulations, I, I DiGiorno's. Before we move on, for the sake of DiGiorno, they just got a huge bonus point from me. So I was, I was, uh, I was manipulating the flakiness at the back. And it is actually layered like a croissant. And it was made well enough. And I think it, I, I'll give credence to our oven here. That I was able to actually pull off. A layer and still leave a slice of pizza on like now a thin layer of dough wow and i've put the other layer on top and now i have a little pizza sandwich so pizza wow. sandwich review time let's go is this has, this has some fresh mushroom in it congratulations to DiGiorno's. oh that's fucking good well moving that's on that's the best that's the right way to eat this pizza well moving on this is not a pizza-based episode Everyone, today we are going to go through our final review roundup of Halloween season. We're going to go talk a bit about the evolution of horror over the years as we saw a wide variety of horror movies, mainly Matt, but I helped a bit, across the last 50 plus years of horror. Before that, just a little bit of housekeeping from last week's episode, Matt, where we talked Escape the Undertaker and just the history of choose-your-own-adventure games leading into augmented reality games. Alternative reality game. Yeah, uh, yeah, alternative reality. I knew that. Um, I received a message from our new, no, our new biggest fan. No fucking way. That's right. Brennan's run on top is over. I knew it, Brennan. I knew you wouldn't keep up with us. I didn't hear a review. I didn't hear a peep about our last episode. Fuck you, Brenny. You get on Instagram, and then you get off this dick. Who's on here now? Who's my biggest fan? So I would like to congratulate Reddit user Goldine. 
underscore need underscore log. So Goldine need log. He commented uh, on a post I made about a previous episode. He said, I don't use social media, but just want to say I've been keeping up with the pod and it's really good. Thank you. Holy shit. Everyone else who is listening, remember to review, subscribe. I know you hear this for every single podcast, but especially for us where we're on the groundest of ground floors. Every single time you get at least one person to listen and keep up with the podcast, like that is huge for us because we do not have a big listener base. Literally every single thing you do at this point for us is completely like not life changing, but it's pod changing every single time you can do something like that for us. If you show us you're doing it, like we'll do something for you guys. I don't know. I have things I can give out. Yeah, we'll put prizes back on the table. We'll do some. We'll do some, yeah. some special because we got a lot. Me and Ben between us have a lot of fun things that our our significant others wouldn't be upset if they disappeared. Right. Um, so this is one of those so things where where I know that you guys hear in every single podcast. Hey, like, subscribe, whatever. But like where we're at, we literally need every single one. And one of the people who's no. been supporting us is our new biggest fan, Goldine Need Log. Um, Wait, did he use the did he use the passphrase? We're getting there, Matt. Uh, okay. Oh shit. Well, but yes, he does. He he. Okay. He said others are probably he or she said others are probably in the running to take on Brennan, but in case they're not, the granny. So. Good yeah. Job. Yeah. I love this man, Brennan. You angered or me. Woman. Gold, gold or Dean. woman. Yeah. You 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 they have have in, embroiled yourself into my heart uh you are now my biggest fan i'm your I'm, i mean i'm what i'm meant to say is i'm your biggest fan if no one's ever told you that they're a fan of you i'm a fan of you and i'm not just saying that as a teacher who just ate pizza ditto so uh he did say <laughs> not sure if you two are considering a stage where you'll have a section of the pod where you'll review listener comments from the week before But either way, I just wanted to point out two things that may interest you. Well, now we have it. Yeah, if you comment and talk to us, we will respond to you on air because no one else is doing it. Yeah. Think think about how much I've talked to Brennan. This is the fallaciate Goldeen need log segment of the show. Hell yeah. Goldeen, enjoy the fallaciation. Edgar Wright, the guy that directed Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Baby Driver, etc., made an ARG years ago called Brandon Generator, which is funny that you just mentioned it. Yeah. Brandon was a writer who had writer's block and was sad that everyone in his life had left him, leading to empty pages and empty phone notification lists. He passes out one night, and when he wakes, his phone is full of voicemails and texts, and his laptop is full of writing, and his sketchbook is full of sketches. It was our job as the audience to populate his belongings and lead him through his short story. Super short and kind of corpo feeling since I think the whole thing was funded by dot 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 Internet Explorer question mark. But still cool. The other thing I thought you'd be interested in is the quote generalization issue when product names become so common that they can't be owned. Velcro made a song about it pleading with people to stop saying Velcro. Once again, kind of corpo feeling by still singing years later. Matt, I think the least we can do, because I haven't listened to this yet, is for me to send this video to you and have us both listen uh, listen to it together. To the, to the Don't Say Velcro song? 
Yes, to the Don't Say Velcro this, song. I just sent it to I you. W- I want to put out, this video is 10 years, it's almost 10 years old, or almost, I mean, almost five years old, and doesn't have a million views, it is a travesty. All right. Uh, I also, I also want to, I just want to point out to, to a man who was willing to point out an ARG made by Edgar Wright that was potentially a corporately infused thing, I will watch every episode of Brandon Generator before next week and try to f- see if I can do a deep dive into the actual narrative that the, based on the generated human content. And I'll talk about it next week because this is really cool and I've never heard of this. You got one. You got one, Goldeen. And now now it's time. Now yeah. it's time for the goddamn Don't Say Velcro song. All right. I'm going to count us down. Three, two, one, play. We're a company so oh, boy. Oh man, this is awesome. You see the scratchy hairy fastener and you say, "Hey, that's Velcro." But even though we Oh my god. Oh yes. <laughs> Boom. Oh yeah. This is so angry. I'm never going to say Velcro again. Oh my god. Oh my god. This when, oh when every celebrity went out there and sang Imagine by John Lennon and no one cared and everyone took it offensively, they should have just posted this video. Come on. This oh my this, god. This part's a loop. This We're begging you. This fucking hook and loop. Oh my fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh what? Oh my god. Wow, this is so angry. This is this is so much better done than I expected this to be. This is the, one of the highest production value things. I, I'm subscribing to the Velcro Band YouTube channel. This is the ultimate. Holy shit. And, oh my this god. is the new intro to the podcast. <laughs> Every week, I don't give a shit. Velcro, baby. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is the most capitalistic thing I've ever seen in my life. This, this, you know what Disney did? Disney did this, but they decided to change trademark law across the world. Oh, baby. Oh, my God. Baby. Goldeen is our biggest fan ever. Fan. Good. Wait. God. Wait, they... Wait, is this the same thing? Okay. They posted the same oh video twice God. to their own YouTube channel. Oh, my God. Oh. Wait. They they did a response song. They did a response song? Hold on. Here, I'll send, I'm going to send it to you. It's Thank You for Your Feed, Brad. Yeah, yeah, Don't I see it. Velcro. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, okay, I got no, no, no. it up. All right, are we just yeah, watching this right, one right. too? Yeah, no, no, no. If you're, if you're, if you're one of our, if you're following along and you enjoy our commentary episodes, you're getting a little <laughs> bit of that this week because you need to go on YouTube and you need to type in "Thank you for your feedback." Don't say Velcro. It should be the number one requested video. Oh, or, oh, all right, Matt. Here we go. Here we go. Let's just run it. Three, all right, I'm two, re- one, play. Oh my God! A response from the lawyers at Velcro. It's another song. It's another. 
with unique music. This has unique backing music. Oh my god, they had a budget for all these. Dude, I this is this is the career you need. Fuck direct sales. Fuck <laughs> They're reading tweets! Oh my god, this Holy is Holy shit! Whoever organized this knows oh what man. they're doing. Yeah, this was done by some 30-year-old who was given fucking car blanche or whatever he wanted. <laughs> yeah, fuck these people. All of them are wrong. <laughs> we love the message, Velcro. They... These are not corporate shills. These are magical performers. Look at this! Oh my god! Where they told us Velcro means powerful hook. And oh my god. Please dive genocide. Holy shit. Oh my god. Okay, constructive oh feedback. Oh my god. Oh yes. <laughs> I like lobster and hookers. Rip two strips, crickle fear. Okay. What? Wool and claw's a good one. Thunder seam. That is the best one. Oh my, this, this is, is better made than the AEW musical. Yeah. Between, this is so much better. And look, they defy, they did, they defaulted back to hook and loop. They don't care about you. But they've got a Reddit comment. I, I hate. It was not forced. This I, was amazing. I hate what this stands for and I still love it in spite of it. Damn. And they have, this channel has hundreds damn. of videos damn okay well Holy we gotta do shit. a velcro episode of fourth times the charm apparently i'm wa i want to watch every okay single velcro <laughs> video we just there's wait there's one about a hanging kids arc with velcro brand thin velcro. An another day man another day all right well, well we, it's, we, oh we, my. We, spent, we spent the first 15 minutes we spent the first five minutes of this episode eating pizza in the next 20 minutes <laughs> talking about Velcro. So thanks, Goldine. This is amazing. Thanks, Thank Goldine. You, Goldine. I love you. I yeah. don't even know who you are, and I love you. Yeah, yeah. Brennan, if 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 you want to get back in our good graces, man, you gotta you gotta you fight got, for us. You Brennan, if you want if you want me to like you again, I'm back to hating you completely. I, I liked you last week because you actually enjoy and watch the podcast, but now now you're back in the hatred because you have never given oh us my God. something as good. As don't say Velcro and oh its sequel, God. and there's a behind-the-scenes video. Wait, Ben, they made the same video in Spanish. Okay, no, Matt, stop, stop. We gotta stop. 
Oh no. It just has Spanish subtitles. That's terrible. That I'm upset now. Okay. Velcro, you, you've bothered me. Okay, well if they have military you, products? If you would like to be our biggest fan, please send us a message. Include us some sort of useful information if you'd like to, like Goldine did. Going above yeah, and recommend beyond. recommend something. We will talk about it and or watch it live. And also use the code THUNDERSEAM. Ooh, good one. Good one. And we'll get back to you next week. You too could be our biggest fan. Um, yeah, so we're going to move into... I guess we'll just go ahead and move into it now because I have some housekeeping, but I'll just start off with it. Matt, take us into... The Halloween Review Roundup. Well, welcome to, to Review Roundup, Review Roundup sponsored Up, by the podcast by Ben and Nick. What? Okay, Matt's out to lunch. <laughs> Welcome to Review Roundup, Woo! sponsored by I know, I'm at Hook dinner. I'm eating pizza, baby. Hook Matt's eating pizza, ass. and we are going to just wrap up Halloween. We watched a lot of stuff. We're going to go talk about some of the other things we watched. We had a wide variety of things. You think we've talked a lot about stuff. We haven't even cut through the core of a lot of these things. Uh, but yeah, this we're is going go to be... My... Yeah, this is going to be more casual, and also we're going to take a bit of a look at the evolution of horror over the decades because we've seen so many different types of horror mm-hmm. and i'd Especially like this, to lead out here by talking about wow. what i saw this past friday on wow. halloween eve eve i saw george romero's night of the living dead on 35 Ooh. millimeter at the million dollar hey, theater hey, hey, and so did i <laughs> and also i saw uh, phantasm the original and 35 millimeter at the million dollar theater. Uh, Matt, Beautiful. did your version of night of the living dead, was it uh, four film reels spliced together? Uh, no, it was actually the 1990 uh, Tom Savini um, edition that George Romero felt like was the improved version of his original story. So I haven't seen that one. I'm sure probably. Oh, is. really? Fun fact. We can talk about it. There's a lot of good, interesting things about it. Fun fact, Tom Savini was actually supposed to work on the original Night of the Living Dead. Yep. But uh, he couldn't due to time constraints or something. So they just got some other no-name. Let me tell you, Matt, I'm going to go through Night of the Living Dead first. Yeah. I don't like this movie anymore. Yeah. Um, I should. I I didn't want to have to get into the, like insulting conversation about how i don't like the original night I, of the living dead well here let me rephrase that i don't dislike it but because it's the movie that started the zombie genre it has every single trope i hate from mm-hmm. all zombie and horror movies just wrapped up in one that's all it is there's a lot of unearned deaths and moments in the movie the worst absolute worst part of the movie in my opinion and i don't know if they have this in the 1990s remake is Mm -hmm. when one of the guys goes out to drive the truck to put gas in it and his wife just decides randomly to run out with him no real reason stated and because she runs out with him her dress gets caught and they both explode in the car 
Oh man, yeah, it's it's been a very long time since I saw the original Night of the Living Dead, and I feel like I would have liked the remake even more if I had recently watched it. Cause like I I know for like one of the things I remember the most about the original is how little uh, Barbara matters, and one of the first things the remake does is make her like an actual important character who has like actually accomplishes things from beginning of the movie to the end. She has a full character arc. She comes around to it at the end and truly, truly does a great story. The version of the truck scene that you just described in Night of Living Dead, two, in Night of Living Dead, nineteen ninety, um, the the two the couple in the basement, or one of the kids from the basement and the uh, the other guy and um, another character, three characters. Oh, the the main guy male lead what's his name i don't want to just ben. say like yeah yeah bet i think it's it's ben harry and uh and uh and barbara uh break out of the house together they get they get to the truck they get it started and they manage to drive to the gas station uh gas pump but they brought the wrong key and um harry cooper who i think is the young kid right cooper's the asshole Oh, the old, the, the adult asshole. Yeah. He's, who's he's, the, he's the antagonist. Yeah. Then, and then it's either Tom or, or, or Johnny, the dumb kid. It's uh, I think it's crap. I, we, I, we just saw these movies. I uh, know. No, well, no, they, John, they Johnny's, Johnny's the zombie from is, is zombies. The brother of, Barb. oh, okay. So he's oh, the guy okay, who dies yeah. at the beginning. Who shoots himself, right? Oh no, no, yeah, okay, yeah, not the guy who shot himself. That's 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 Tim's friend. Whatever, the young kid with a shotgun. <laughs> Once again, um, these are two very different movies. I can I can already yeah. tell from your description of it. And, and well, yeah, but it's, it starts the exact same way in the cemetery. The whole intro is the beginning. She runs to the house. She finds Ben in the house, um, but then she actually helps him kill zombies and like she murders the old fat guy who used to live in the house. Um, and has some like real character and she becomes a badass by the end of the movie. Um, and she's the one who lives at the end. Like, and it makes sense because she actually is the one who comes to terms and accepts the reality around her the most and kind of becomes the most cold while also being the most logical right. in the whole situation, which is really nice. She kind of takes, she takes some of the weight that the Ben character carries in the first one and actually makes it feel worth it. Yeah. I mean, I um, don't, I, I'll be honest. Oh yeah, but oh, but Ben, real quick, the the way that the gas station scenes, instead of them like turning the wrong direction, the car blowing up, the idiot tries to shoot the lock off of the uh, gas pump and blows the gas pump up. So that's that's almost what happens in this one. In this one, what okay. happens is they do shoot the lock off, okay. but that doesn't start it. He goes to put the gas in, but one of them has a torch and like accidentally okay. sets it on fire oh that's dumb yeah it's even worse i i still don't think yours you know uh makes any but i, I don't think yours sounds right. great either but oh, it sounds actually, better so, so actually i will say in the grand scheme of horror of like zombie movies this one is significantly pretty good yeah, like, this is this is like a seven out of ten movie. I'm gonna be real. It's I, I mean, fun, for me, Barb, good atmosphere. Barb 
isn't the worst part of Night of the Living Dead, the original. Yeah, it's not the worst I, I'm, part. I mean, she's pretty not good, but I do appreciate the fact that at the end she does help him with the zombies. So she does have an arc. Yeah. The, the real issue I have is the Cooper character in the original all sorts of unearned deaths like the gas station scene. Oh yeah. And the fact that there's really no progress made in the movie whatsoever. I I'm sure that this being the first one, a lot of that's sort of a gimme cuz yeah, all of not, this is really... new. I I really liked how they relayed information from the radio and the TV, but the Cooper character is so insufferable yeah. and he stays that way for far too long for the movie to be super enjoyable anyway i i don't want to rest on shitting on one of the most famous zombie movies of all time but before we move on i did want to ask you matt yes what do you think is the most famous zombie in movie cinema the most famous zombie yeah there's from from everywhere i've read it comes down to two which would be either the first zombie in Night of the Living Dead or Tarman from Return of the Living Dead. Oh, it's Tarman. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's Tarman. Fucking... Yeah, it has to be Tarman. So, and actually, before we move on, um, before Ni- before yeah, before before we move on, this is the last thing I swear. So, Night of the Living Dead was co-written by George Romero and John Russo. George Romero. Yep. And Russo had a falling out over the direction of the franchise. Romero owned the name, so he made Day of the Dead. And then, and then, and then for for Romero's movies, how many did he have before they became shit? There was Night, there was the remake, and there was Day of the Dead. Did he have any other like actually good ones, or were the rest of them all garbage? Well, it, it, it comes down, in my opinion, to a lot of like his like being the producer um or like kind of like being part of the production no no no. i i know that but like how many extra did he do because i'm less familiar with how Uh, many he did so seven seventy three is the crazies and season of the witch are both fine movies the crazies is actually pretty good uh night riders which is a 1981 film is fucking amazing it's about dudes who like like decide to start jousting on motorcycles in full medieval armor, uh, which is an incredible film. Uh, it's not good, but man, is it fucking amazing. Um, he wrote the the Night of the Living Dead remake in, in 90, which is good. Um, Tales oh. from the Dark Side, the movie is okay. I barely paid attention. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So he directed... Um, Oh yeah, the 2010 version of the Crazies was good, but I also watched that in 2010, uh, so I don't know if it's actually good. And he did a movie called Iron City Ass Kickers, which hasn't come out yet. So here we so, go. He directed Night of the Living Dead, then Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and then the rest were shot on shittio type crappy movies: Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. The fact that he directed and wrote Diary of the Dead is not a good sign. No, no, it's really not. But he had And th- Survival he had... of the Dead, don't forget that. That was 2005, 2007, 2009. Three of those movies back to back. He had a deal. We, he was we, not the yeah, executive producer of any of them. We, we but should he wrote and directed them. We we should do we should watch all three of his God, two no. zombie trilogies and get parallel. Oh. 
but Man, anyway, I, I, there's so many other movies I'd rather watch. <laughs> okay, but anyway, the the point I was making. So John Russo and him co-wrote the original. They had a falling yep. out because they had differing views of the franchise. Romero would do Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and then Russo would go on to make Return of the Living Dead, the comic book series, which would then be followed up with, he made a script for Return of the Living Dead, Mm -hmm. couldn't get funding for it. He had a different Hollywood writer come in, rework the script using his as inspiration, that's the Return of the Living Dead that they made. And then Russo wrote a novelization of the movie that was made. Oh, okay. Yeah. He also so wrote the, a novel for the version I saw in the night. Oh, no, he didn't. He just produced it. Yeah. So, which which I find interesting. I've read about it. I haven't actually read the novelization. I'd like to when I get a chance. But yeah, they do throw in some weird differences. And something which I'm sure was in his original script that they wrote that they changed to make it more Hollywoody is what, what's the weirdest part of return of the living dead, Matt? The fact that they can with their teeth break into people's skulls, right? Teeth. Yeah, their brains. That, that, that doesn't make sense. Originally they were going to bash their heads open with rocks and then eat the brains out of them. Sure. Yeah. Which makes a lot more sense, but it's also significantly less cinematic. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that would not look nearly it's, as it's, cool. Especially for the 80s, too, you know? Yeah. I, I will say something that I find very, very interesting about the, like, kind of obsession with the notion of cannibalism that we see in the zombie genre. Um, something I found very interesting about cannibalism is that every part of the human body is safe to eat, except for the brain. Uh, the brain of humans and pretty much all primates contains an e- contains an enzyme that, if consumed and digested through the stomach, actually causes a rabies-like deterioration of the brain. So, in cultures where eating primate brains or the or the consumption of brains in um, the genre of like the zombie genre is like in a sense and probably not intentionally linked to the notion that. The undead, due to their deprivative and decaying state, need that enzyme to maintain functionality. Uh, you could also argue Boom, that science. they that you could also argue that they eat it because if it's deteriorating their mind, then it helps make them feel dead, as opposed to feel the pain of being a zombie. Yes. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that works on a lot of levels. Uh, hey, that one. That one's for Brennan. Anyway, so Night of the Living Dead's, meh, I give it like a six. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, we'll move on to Phantasm, which, Matt, I already told you a bit about this, but Saw Phantasm, original 35mm film. Both copies yeah. of these films were not in the best 35mm state. Phantasm yeah. had a weird-ass like red hue over yeah. the film stock. And so, so I... I saw Phantasm 2, which came out 10 years later, and the the print uh, on 35mm was also a bit crunchy in the beginning. Yeah, well, Night of the the Living Dead, they literally took two film reels and spliced them together. And there were certain scenes, like, when they burst out of the uh, cellar, uh, when Cooper Mm -hmm. burst out for the first time, that they cut over, like, 10 seconds of it because they were joining the reels together. 
which was really disorienting. Uh, Phantasm yeah, we, we was better in that respect. as well. Okay, Phantasm, I liked it even more the second time around watching it. Very yeah. seminal classic horror film. It's interesting because the movie was made before Halloween, but they didn't get it distributed until after because they were looking for movies like Halloween. Huh, which interesting. Is, yeah, which is kind of interesting. The, uh, the, the highlight of the movie was that the original writer, director, producer, and two of his friends, I, I forget what positions they had on the film. They're like cinematographer and prop guy or something like that. Anyway, yeah. they were there for live Q&A. After we watched the movie, I was there and dressed as a racer head. And Matt, let me tell you, LA is the only city in the world where I can dress up as a racer head for Halloween and people actually recognize it. Now, I, I promise you, if you came to the Music Box of Horrors in Chicago, people would recognize the eraser head costume. Someone would probably scoff at you, but that's an obvious reference. <laughs> so it, it was a very insightful Q&A, though. These guys were pretty laid back, and you can tell that they don't seem to do this a lot. The guy who works the secret movie club, which is where I went to, his uncle was one of the three guys who worked on the film. So I think Got this it. was sort of a doesn't happen too often type of thing. But yeah. it was, uh, aside from the extremely shrill and loud, obnoxious soundtrack this movie has, <laughs> yeah. which is really unpleasant to listen to in a theater, it was a lot of fun. And they showed some insight onto how the movie came to be, Matt, if you were curious. I, I'm always curious. So just a few anecdotes. Uh, they were talking about how the uh, one of the signature shots of the movie is when the ball is coming down the hallway and it's zooming towards you. Okay. The how how do you think they got that shot, Matt? Mm, did did they launch it out of a like potato gun? No, the director used to play baseball and he had a good arm. So he just threw it against the wall. Okay. It shattered and then they played it uh, in reverse for the movie. That's awesome. That That's pretty sweet. I wonder if, I wonder if that's how they did it in the sequels. The One of the signature scenes of the movie is okay. when the ball latches itself onto the uh, graveyard caretaker's uh, forehead and drills yes. into his head and blood spurts out. They said that they used a prosthetic for this, of course, where the item drills itself in. Then they yep. had a pump where, with like a giant plunger where they were trying to plunger the blood out and that it was actually getting clogged, which is why in the movie it comes out in like spurts. Oh, which is, I think, more accurate. The uh, car in the movie... They sold the, you know, the, uh, the, the black, mm -hmm. like Mustang ish, whatever car. Yeah. They the said, car. yeah, the car, they, one of the people sold for $1,200. Oh no. It's now worth well over a million dollars and they don't know where it is. Yeah. I'm not surprised about that one. That's the, lost. A Someone got that as a birthday present. Yeah, probably. The one from the sequel is not the same model car. It's one made to look oh. like it. And the director still has it in his house. Hell yeah. That's Hell awesome. yeah. The, uh, I, I actually got to ask them a question. Okay. And I asked them what, so, because the movie truly is 
I would say a first type of movie where it's one of the first real sort of psychological-esque dreamy horror movies that really ever came out. It was the first movie to take the slasher genre and make it heady, like make it kind of psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a better way of saying it. So I asked him what sort of movies inspired it and also how the story changed and evolved as it went on. So he told me the two movies really inspired it. One was the 1954 movie Aliens from Mars, I think he said it was. And he said what really resonated with him about that was the kid in the movie was smarter than everyone else and knew exactly what was happening and no one Mm -hmm. believed him. So apparently that trope in movies that everyone hates, he just really resonated with that. For some no, I, I respect that. I respect that. Well, I think it works in Phantasm because he makes the kid character so much smarter than everyone else that he literally just does everything on his own. When you yeah, get to the point where succeeds. the kid's actually succeeding on his own, then it's fine. So the yeah, it other has to actually matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he also said that the main thing that inspired the movie is the ball actually because he had okay. a recurring dream of Ooh. of the ball coming and uh, and killing him essentially in the way that it does in the movie. Yeah. So that's it. Well, like he shot it incredibly well. Yeah. Uh he also said the other movie which I know Matt you'll like this, the other movie that really inspired them in the editing process cuz it had just come out at the time was Suspiria, the original Suspiria. Hell yeah where they really appreciated the headiness of it. One of the big surprises for me when asking them about the movie is they said that they really didn't have much of a plan. They just sort of shot as they went along. They didn't have much of a script or anything. They're just like, wow, this sounds cool. And then they filmed it. And you can really see that in the final product where I feel like the movie succeeds in spite of itself, where they were editing the movie and they didn't have an ending for it. The, what what they were originally envisioning to be the end of the movie, they ended up using for Phantasm Four. Yeah, and then that, they that's just the end of the franchise. Yeah, and then they just came up with a new ending for the movie and shot it on a whim while they were editing the final pieces of the movie together, which I think for ninety nine percent of movies would have resulted in garbage. But they just happened to have just the right footage to make it this strange cerebral film that still stands the test of time yeah and at the time uh and i'll I'll talk about this a little bit more but at the time was very financially successful yeah Um, it had which plays plays into the importance of why phantasm 2 got made 10 years later yeah it it had a budget of like 300 grand or something and then had a and ended up doing i think over 10 million at the box office which was pretty healthy two million at the box office so yeah, that that's pretty healthy. Yeah, no, that's 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 more than a return. Yep, definitely. Yeah, you, know, you double as long as you double your money, you're making money. And that the studio ten years later was desperate for, in the late '80s was desperate to have a movie made, and they went straight to Phantasm Two, which and, uh, because it was we'll ten years after, no one yeah. cared, and so it bombed. Yeah, no, it it it, it had a budget of three million dollars, which is ten times. The budget of the original movie and only made seven point three million. <laughs> Even though I think it's arguably a better movie. So, 
that's that's where I'll pretty much leave it off, man. If if you want to take over for yeah. a bit here, well, that, that was that was my ending to the Halloween ceremonies. Well, well, but I think we should hit the movies that you uniquely saw. Um, because I'm going to go through my list in order, my definitive ranking for each of them, from worst <laughs> to best. The the only one I have anything substantive to talk about is the house that dreaded sundown. Yeah, well, a, I think that's a separate discussion. Yeah, I'll just go over it quickly. It's it's a yeah. late 1970s slasher movie that came out around the same time as Halloween. And I think, and we'll talk about this some other time, but I feel like comparing that movie and Halloween together really highlights why John Carpenter's Halloween is such a pivotal movie. Because, I mean, the movie's fine, but it really highlights what Halloween got right and why it deserves to be labeled as one of the greatest horror films of all time, even if it doesn't seem like much today. Yeah, I agree. It's a reverse that, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, it, it it's its importance has only continued to represent itself like viscerally in modern horror. Like it, it is, I, I, even outside of the fact that we're getting all of these like functionally useless um, sequels to it, it it has stood the test of time in how it changed horror cinema. Unlike Night of the Living Dead, which I think like made a splash and then people iterated on it so much better, where Carpenter's version is still like visually and tastefully perfect. Yeah. All right, man. And, what, 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 walk, right. walk me through this. All right. I, I, so into, did we see the charnel house in December? No. I mean, in October? I also think no. I think that was September. All right. All right. So, okay, good. My list is perfect then. So, every year, yeah, after the last three years, I have distinctly made an aggravating effort to watch 31 different horror movies in hollow in October, one for each day. Now, this year I hit approximately 32 movies. One of them is a short film, so I'm coming at exactly 31. Uh, I did see other movies that weren't horror movies because uh, I watched too much movies. Uh, but this list is fantastic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through this list from worst to best, and I'm going to get Ben's cold-cocked opinions on some of these movies that he has not seen. Now, Ben knows exactly where we're starting. The absolute dread of October, the worst student film ever made by a man who shouldn't be making a student film because he's 40, The Last House on the Street. Bottom, this is number 31 on the list, and it's 31 ounces of shit. I fucking hate this movie. Um, it was genuinely off-putting because nothing happened and no and no one cared. Um, so, Ben, do you have any last-minute comments on The Last House on the Street? I hope that whoever made that movie is happy with making movies. And I hope they continue to get better. And I would rather not watch another movie from them. Now, I'm never watching another one of your films. Um, the next movie on our list was another one that Ben got to experience with me. And you got to hear our disdain live on air. Escape the Undertaker. Um, this arguably falls into short film territory um, because it is just kind of happening. And it's only about 30 minutes, probably about an hour of content total. 
Um, and it's also a nothing movie. Uh, ben, do you have any last comments on that film? I hope whoever directed Escape the Undertaker is happy with what they're doing. And I hope that they keep doing what they love. I just don't want to be a part of it. All right. That's followed by number 29, which is a considered classic. A lot of people really like it. 1982's Tenebrae by Dario Argento. I haven't uh, seen ben, this. Okay. So it's a... It's like a horror mystery slasher movie. I'm going to be real. It was on at the worst time. I'm pretty sure this was a music box of horror movie. I'm pretty sure it came on about three in the morning. And you could have not put on more of a slog of a movie to a tired crowd of fans. I think he knew we were all going to fall asleep. Because boy, did I. That was really boring. Uh, It's kind of cool, but genuinely predictable beautifully shot looks really good um but that's kind of all it has going for it and that's the sad part of this uh, of the story um after that we're gonna go to another another movie that i know is near and dear to ben's heart a movie that he felt very emotional about after we saw calvair I didn't that, hate Calvair. It's like a 7 out of 10 movie for me. I was disappointed with Calvair. Yep. But I, I almost want to watch it again because... Oh, you don't. I, well, I guess you did watch it again, right? Or did I you did. skip it? Yeah, okay. No, no, so, I, so, I, I watched it a second time. So, I watched that. I slept I, through most of Tenebrae. So I'll be honest. Calvair, I forget pretty mm-hmm. much what happened. It Did that happen again? Yeah, I mean, I barely, I know exactly what happened in the movie, but I don't care. Um, And the problem, here's the thing, is the guy, I think his name is Max, who hosts the Music Box of Horror, and this is no discredit to you, Max, set up the movie in the exact same way that I set it up for you, Ben. I got the, like, this, he, like, went through the whole diatribe, like, this isn't a movie you show your friends so they enjoy it. You show them it so they experience it, because it's not a good time. This is like my favorite moody, dark movie. It's fucked up. It's like uncomfortable. Like I know you're all tired, but really try to sit into this sit into this movie. And I hope you're not in the crowd alone tonight. Because this is not a movie to watch by yourself. Ugh. The movie I'm I think I guess I'm ruined by my love and and fan of actual French extremism. because um, the movie is like a blue ball it blue balls you. It, like the worst. I don't care if I'm spoiling this movie because I don't give a shit about it. When 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 they when they crucify the guy, that's like the most gruesome thing in the movie. I've seen a movie where a dude's nuts get chopped off by a person pretending to be a minor to catch him as being a pedophile, and that movie has fucking Dakota Fanning in it. And this movie is just like moody, and like the music's good, and so ben so and we have, really did get the right experience the first time. Yeah, because I overhyped it, and then we watched it and were disappointed. And this time, the guy who was hosting the event overhyped it. And then I, after I had told everyone sitting around me how shit of a movie it is, I went on for like five minutes to this group of people who were sitting around me. How like I'm like, oh, Cavalier's nothing. It's like not even a big deal. It's kind of a boring movie. Nothing really happens. And they were like, oh man, maybe we should like go. I'm like, no, no, you should watch it, but don't get your hopes up. And they were like, all right, we're fine. What and What I'm do like, they think after? Ooh. The, the woman next to me loudly snored through the whole thing about 10 minutes in. <laughs> the, the, the couple sitting next to her, who were very nice, 
and very into all the movies and ended up leaving about an hour like an hour in Damn. and they didn't they didn't come back until like midway through the next movie which was uh night of the living dead they showed up like halfway into night of the living dead and we're like i was like oh dude you guys do you guys want to know what happened in the calvary and they're like nah i'm sure it just ended okay it's that's like, fair. it does it, it like cl- the movie climax just ends but, like, the ending of Climax is really wild and well-earned. Like, the breath of fresh air you feel from just an atmospheric walk-off ending is not earned by Calvair. And I think that might be just because we're jaded or have seen too many fucked-up movies. Um, but, yeah, that's Calvair. 28. Eh. All right. So, number 27 is going to have to be 19, I think, I believe 1959's The Mummy. Um, it's just not as good as the Brendan Fraser one, but it looked cool. Have you seen um, the original one? I have not. Okay. We've, well, we've, what, what do you think of the original original? I, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. I, I mean, it's, it's really archaic now, but it still uses, mm-hmm. you know, dramatic pauses and whatever pretty well. I feel like in a theater, okay. you would get a lot more out of it. Yeah. Um, up next we have number, my number 26 which is going to unfortunately have to go to 1982's Night Beast, um, which if you follow us on Instagram, you saw is the film debut in any capacity of J.J. Abrams, where he did the music for the only sex scene in the movie at the age of like 14. Hell yeah. Uh, the director had made, had made three movies that are all the same movie, and this was the good one. Um, we're going to move on. So another movie. This movie is going to come low in my list. Only because there are so many highlights to follow, um, which was the Hand of Orlock from 1924, um, which was really cool. Um, but it's a 1924 silent film, and the best part of it was the live music by a guy named uh, Max McCarthy, who has an awesome jazz doom band called uh, Gramps the Vamp. Uh, go check them out; it's better than watching Hands of Orlock. Um, <laughs> Uh, ben, have you seen any like silent films or any movies with live scores? Yeah, I saw the uh, Phantom of the Opera, the the, the oh, original okay. Phantom wow. of the Opera movie. Holy with, shit, that uh, must have been rad. Yeah, and on like the original like grinder film uh, projector as well. So oh, it was like it was like sweet. yeah, it was like hand cranked. They had the little like intermission cards they put while they were swapping mm-hmm. out the film reels. And they had a live accompaniment with it. So not in a full-scale theater. It was a smaller room. But it was still really cool. And it was especially great because, you know, the big scene from that movie is when he reveals himself. Mm -hmm. And even now, a hundred years later, that scene actually got a got like a bit of a, oh, from the audience, which is... Like a pop. It got a pop. Yeah, it got a pop, which is amazing. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That that's the that's the benefit of live of live cinema, especially with live music. You get nothing. There's nothing else like it. Yeah, I I oh. don't think I think silent era movies suffer the most from not seeing in a theater. Yep, hundred uh, percent. There's no that you can't watch silent films at home. There's no reason to. Don't do it. All right, twenty three. Um, twenty three is gonna go to the nineteen ninety re. Actually, I should, I'm gonna make a quick switch real quick because. Oh my god. Twenty three is actually gonna go to an interview with a vampire. Um, this is the first movie night that Ben skipped out on. Um, interview with the vampire is a generic vampire movie, but it's probably the best generic vampire movie. No, that's, and that's the why one it's with uh, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Yeah, I was there for that. 
Oh, you were okay. You were there that yeah, weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, I enjoy that. I love my top ten. Yeah, it was it was sexy. Yeah, it was sexy. It was a lot of male energy. I was Lots into of it. sexy. Uh, and, uh, wow, I am sexed. Uh, we're we're gonna follow that one up at number twenty two with nineteen nineties uh, Night of the Living Dead. We've talked about this movie already ad nauseum in this episode. Um, it's a good movie. It's a better than the original, and that's all I got to say about it. Next, we're going to go for what was seen as part of a double feature, and I do not know how I stayed awake for this, and I'm so glad I did, which was Bak Ki Zara, which is a ripoff of Evil Dead 1, an almost shot-for-shot remake, except there are injected Bollywood dance scenes and a bunch of weird sex scenes that weren't in the original. I, I need to watch this movie. And... And so, so one of the most you do, you need, you do, you need to watch the Freddy, Kr- the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, oh which my rips God. off the plot. It's a Bali- it's a three-hour Bollywood ripoff of the first three movies of the. Of, have have um, you seen it, Matt? Yeah, no, I saw it. I saw, I saw it. I saw a double feature of the original um, Nightmare on Elm Street followed by the three-hour Bollywood ripoff version. Okay, well, we got to watch that together and review it for this because I cannot imagine a more sensational movie. It fits in the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 in about 40 minutes, and then the rest of the movie is one and three blended together. That's awesome. Uh, but ba-, ba Kazara, which on IMDb translates to Bollywood Night uh, uh, Evil Dead, not Bollywood Evil Dead, is fantastic. And... Most of these Bollywood ripoffs, like the one I ju- we just talked about with Nightmare on Elm Streets, were all made in like the 70s and like early to mid 80s because no one gave a shit. And if they just stole the plot and then remade it with Bollywood dance scenes, no one cared. This was made in 2008. Wow. And it looks like it was made in the 70s or like the Even late 80s. bigger Wow. It opens on about a four-minute dance number, followed by a sex montage of the main characters. Um, it's a wild ride. Go see it. It pulls off the plot well. That no one holds a candle to Bruce Campbell. Um, but you know, man, they really tried. Uh, and then we're gonna have a, a back-to-back double hitter of movies that are very similar to themselves, to the um, very similar tonally, incredibly different executions. Uh, which is number 20, The Ritual, which is a Netflix uh, original film. And number 19, Calibre. I'm going to lump these two together. Um, they do, they both take place. They're both British films. Um, they're both about going hiking or exploring in the woods and something going terribly wrong. Um, the Ritual, while really cool, I think uh, sits on its haunches a little bit. It has better act it has better acting across the cast than Calibre, but I think Calibre told a much more unique and interesting story, which edges it up into number nineteen. Okay. Um, Ca- the Ritual is a movie Ben and I have have never watched together because he's not a huge fan of folky kind of ritualistic horror sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so I was sick with COVID and watched it, and I also watched Calibre, which I think you would like. Because it's a movie about a group of guys who go hunting for their stag weekend and end up shooting a kid in the head in the woods. Is it Caliber? It's Calibre, which is how you say caliber in England. Oh, okay. Um, I'm never sure with you. No, no, no. I'm saying it correctly. Okay, okay. Uh, But it does mean it means caliber. Got it. Um, Yeah. So that's those two. Those are good. They're both European. uh, Both British. They're both worth watching. 
Um, next up, we're going to put in uh, a movie that I thought was going to end up a lot higher on my list, um, but didn't, which is Await Further Instructions, uh, which is a fantastic, I think, 2018, 2017 movie, um, which is a low-budget, single-location horror movie, which are some of my favorite types of movies. Um, like it's about Night of a- the Living Dead? Actually, yeah, because they are trapped in the house, and it's all about the family drama more than the actual events around them. Um, This movie plays as one long um, Twilight Zone episode, but it pays off. You do feel that kind of like, oh, we're building toward a big finish. And unlike in in Calvair, they have that big finish, and it's really cool. Um, So that one one gets some points. Uh, Go check it out. I recommend it. Um, It's a nice quick kind of like 90 minute mystery movie to, that's a little heady and lovecrafty and to throw on um i think it's it fits into my narrative later about how film and horror is becoming more and more lovecraftian um because of the collective unconscious of america is shifting uh, but following that up with a movie that goes back to the old coll- collective back. unconscious of the united states is a movie i think you've seen i don't know i don't believe you were there to watch it with us 2004's cabin fever yeah i've seen cabin fever you ranked it that high i mean compared to the other movies on here yeah i liked interview with a vampire a lot more than cabin fever oh no i already said cabin fever (laughs) we skipped over it it was number 24 i think we just didn't mention it oh Um, yeah okay well cabin fever's up there then yeah we'll talk about it cabin fever's good uh it's fine it's fine. It does it. It does what it's doing well. If you take out all of the like difficult to watch parts, now that we're in 2020, 21, um, it's a fun movie and it kind of does that thing. I watched it a bunch as a kid because they had it at Blockbuster. Um, so I've my actual, better. I yeah, that movie's been done better a million times. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is a better version of that movie and it doesn't even have the same plot. Um, <laughs> Number 17 is another, we'll, we'll kind of love, I guess this is the, uh, the Lovecraftian corner because I didn't watch any wildly good Lovecraftian movies. These, these are all good. All of these movies after uh, 27, The Mummy are all minimum five out of 10 or like a three and a half out of five stars under 50. So that would be um, a seven out of 10, not a five out of 10. For, well, five out of 10 would be like Night Beast and The Mummy. Okay. And of Orlock is like a 5.5. Uh, number 17 is Block Island Sound, which is another wacky mystery movie that's very Lovecraftian, has like a very, uh, uh, Dunwich Horror vibe to it. It's really cool. I highly recommend it. It is not something to watch with people who aren't going to pay a lot of attention. Um, because if you don't, it's just weird and doesn't make sense, but it does a great job at what it does otherwise. 16. Uh, Number 16 is going to be... And this might surprise you, Ben. Is going to be 1967 Suspiria. Really? Oh, well, is that 67? Am I talking on my ass here? Um, 77. Wow, I took a decade off. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it came out when they were editing Phantasm. Yeah. So yeah, 1977's Suspiria, um, which. I still think the the 2018 remake is one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, it's up there with uh, a, 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 a movie that also probably invalidates my opinions as one of my favorites is uh, 
John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. But the having watched Tenebrae, which is another Argento movie, and having watched a couple of the other Argento movies throughout my time, Suspiria is really good. But it doesn't stand out as one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, especially this season. It was cool and it was really fun and do it was you, beautiful and do influential. Do you think that you would reflect on the movie better if you hadn't seen the 2018 one first? Yes. I would have loved if I had, if I, had, if I, the coolest part about watching this was me going like, ooh, I see why they did that in the 2018 version instead. Number 14. Oh no, now I can't see. You just skipped over American Psycho. It's fucking American Psycho. If you haven't seen American Psycho and you're listening to our podcast, who the fuck are you? Go watch American Psycho. It's a good movie. It's a classic. Meh. Nothing much happens. Um, we're going to we're gonna jump ahead now to... 14. Uh, number 14. We'll go with Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, which is a famous 1976 uh, Black Station era horror film made by the director of Blackula. Um, who was a who was there for an interview and it was one of the most moving interviews I've seen with the director because this man did not expect anybody to care about his movie and he got a standing ovation that was earned and well earned. Um, next, we're gonna follow with Phantasm Two, the movie that was made because the first one made so much money they told him they had to make it. The ball and then when he- is back. The ball was back, and when they told when 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 he told them what that he was gonna do, they said, "Don't do any of that. That's too messed up." Um, so he did everything in his power just to throw as much bullshit into the movie, and boy does he! Yeah, um, that- the uh, the the sequel for the movie, I th- I read the only reason it actually got made is because mm-hmm. they were looking to cash in on the fifty sequels that Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street and Halloween well, saw- and Friday the Thirteenth yeah. were getting. They're like, what What do we have here that we can justifiably get a sequel out of? Oh, this movie's 10 years old. Yeah, we can do that. Well, and it made, a, as you said, a fuckload of money. The um, first one. Not the first one any did. other one. No. Um, and it, it was really, it shows why it didn't. Um, but, you know, it does its job and everyone in the world's happy about it. Next up. Number 12, one of my one of the most surprising movies for me of the Music Box of Horrors was 1992's Ghost Watch, uh, a movie that is shot like that. Uh, oh, man, I forgot it again. It's shot like a news program. essentially. It's treated as if it's real. real. But what's the, you know, what's the sci-fi of the world style? Yeah, we spent eight minutes trying to figure that out last time. It's like War of the Worlds. Um but it's cool and it's and it feels very real and I, I enjoyed myself For watching our it. wrestling people it's very kayfabe breaking. Yes. Yes. Um so we're going to fo- we're going to follow that up with number 11 being the new Edgar Wright fam- film The Last Night in Soho, which is a huge huge reference and love love letter to that 60s late 60s uh early 70s era. Uh, movie because the whole movie is about someone who is obsessed with that time period and it comes across super well it's really fun oh it's not fun at all but it's very it's very entertaining i had a great time with it and i really really think people should go and check it out it's worth your time um coming in at number 10 one of my top 10 favorite movies i saw this halloween was 1995's the granny 
which was the world theatrical premiere of the film from 1995. Ne- yeah, 1995 was never shown in theaters before. Now it was a straight to DVD film. Um, fantastic movie about a granny that kills everybody in their home. Um, next, we're gonna go with Evil Dead Two, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, and watching it again for probably the I don't know, 10th time, 8th time. Uh, It was a real treat. Seeing it at the drive-in was the most fun part of it. Uh, It earns everything it does, and it's a super fun movie. It it, Uh, it really is the movie out of the franchise that strikes the right balance. Yeah. Well, it's just the second movie. It's just the first movie remade, but better. Well, it's it's one and a half. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, because it kind of starts halfway into the first movie. It, it The first third of the movie is Evil Dead 1, and then it's like, yeah. okay, let's go for another hour and see what else we can find. And they do a good job. They, don't they do. They do, do a good job. When you rewatch the series back, Matt, do you just start mm-hmm. at Evil Dead 2, or do you go from Evil Dead 1 into 2? It depends on who I'm watching it with. If, if, I'm, if I'm trying to get people to have, like, a good night, I do the... Evil Dead to Arm, uh, Army of Darkness double feature. Right. If, if it's for the sake of seeing... Because I think I, I like Evil Dead 1 a little bit more just because of the atmosphere and the camp. Um, and, but it's it's worth... It's always worth watching number two, I think. Right. It's a, if you're doing a double feature, it's the better movie. If I'm showing you one movie, I'm showing you the first Evil Dead. Yeah, that's fair. Um, or I'll make you watch the 2008, the 2000, I think, 16 remake, which I, I unlike a lot of people, really like. Um, the next one is a, I believe, a 1999 or 1990 um, kind of creature feature horror film called The Idle Hands, which is a movie about a guy whose hand becomes evil and turns against him, which is basically the plot of the, uh, the Hand of Orlock but made in the 90s and it is one of the most is, 90s is, things is that I've ever where, seen. like his hand is the hand of a serial killer or something because that was an episode of the simpsons so that that was the plot of hands of orlock oh, which is okay. where the simpsons things came from so and this yeah. movie an evil spirit that is never explained possesses his hand just the hand is though. a serial killer yeah the, there's a there's a serial killing ghost that goes around possessing people's hand and has killed a bunch of people, and then in the in the movie we find like out that it has now possessed the main character. It sounds like a spiritual successor to Hands of Orlock in a way. It is. It de- well, that, that's how I heard about it. The guy oh, talked okay. about it at the screen. He's like, if you want to watch the funny, better version of this movie, almost go watch Idle Hands, so which I did, and it was amazing. It was okay. better than better than Calvair. So it sort of Saint plays it a little sillier. It's definitely silly. It's it's a okay. horror comedy. It's like the granny. You're gonna laugh the whole time. It's like Ghost Watch. Like you're not watching these movies to feel afraid. You're watching them to have a good time, just with like a horrifying setting. Like he murders his two best friends who are stoners, and then they see the light to walk into heaven, and then they go, "Nah, that's just too far away. I don't feel like walking." And then walk back into their bodies and become zombies for the rest of the movie. That well. That's like, More a, Seth- that's like a Ben level joke there. I, I don't oh, know the, about that. the whole movie is Ben humor and I fucking love it. <laughs> okay. It, watching it. I felt like you were in the room. Uh, Cause you would have been fucking cackling. Um, next is another movie that I think would make you cackle, but is a bit more Matt humor. Was a seven. Um, 
This is number seven. Yeah, this is 2020 or 2021, depending on where you look. Hellbender. Um, The plot of Hellbenders is there is a group of exorcists who, in order to keep themselves closer and more susceptible to finding demons, instead of following the rules of the church, they sin with faith. So they're they're intentionally sinning in order to keep themselves damnation ready at all times. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's that's the it is a funny concept. Some of it comes off really well and looks really cool and, and feels really fun. Uh, and then large portions of it are also kind of just like I really hope this part of the movie is intentional. If as much of that movie was as, as intentional as I pretended it was in my head while watching it, it's an incredible movie. If not, man, they pulled it off and got lucky. <laughs> they um, phantasmed that, it. Yeah, they phantasmed it. They either phantasmed it or it was one of the best, like, B-horror, like, intentionally B-horror movies I've ever seen. Um, following that up, number six, a movie that just barely mi- missed the top five. And if it hadn't gone on when it had gone on at the Music Box of Horrors, I think it would have been higher. I w- actually, no, it would have been lower. Um, is Tooth is 1990s Arachnophobia. Uh, have you seen Arachnophobia, Ben? If I have, it's been buried under a litany of sci-fi channel original movies. So this this movie feels like it should be a sci-fi original. It has no heart but it has every ounce of energy that you need it cut it has the same energy as honey i shrunk the kids but in a movie about killer super uh super uh spiders so like it has eight-legged freaks sort of it's eight-legged freaks but it's not can it's not as campy like it really does earn what it's doing if that, that makes sense that sounds much worse it's not. It's better than Eight Legged Freaks. It's it's my it's, it's officially my favorite spider themed movie that isn't a Spider Man movie. But Matt, Eight Legged Freaks has David Arquette in it. Yeah, um, this movie has John Goodman. Okay, uh, did John Goodman wrestle Nick Gage? And is he is John Goodman a former WCW World Champion? I didn't fucking no, but think j- so. John, John Goodman also, but nothing, but nothing, bankrupt, bankrupt a. Uh, Neither did David Arquette. He was just he was just along for the ride. No, no one bankrupted WCW. It's because Jamie Kellner decided to whatever. We're not going into this. Number number what is this six or five? This is number five. All right, number five. Number five was one of the most surprising movies that I saw. Again, I was blown away by this. Is The Faculty. This movie has a star-studded cast. I talked about it a bit in our other episodes, so I'm not going to wax poetic about it. But it's got like Elijah Wood in it, and it's just one of the most fun sci-fi horror exposés I've seen in the modern day. I think it's a movie that's w- widely not very loved. It's a, Ro- it's a Robert Rodriguez movie, and it feels that energy from beginning to end. It is a highest of recommendations. 1982 at its peak. Um, number four, a movie that Ben and I watched together and it made it so high because again, I was surprised at how good it was, <laughs> but we're going to get into it eventually is the pl- Clive Barker's The Plague. 
And I won't say too much about it because we've yeah, talked extensively we, we've done a about full it. extensive breakdown episode of the plague so of Clive and, Barker's the play, the and there might be more news on that front in the future, but we'll sit on that for the moment. Yeah. So moving and, on to our Tizop three. And now these are some of these are movies that I feel like are in arguably great that are captivatingly amazing and are genuine works of artistic craft of someone taking an idea and executing it perfectly and we're gonna start with number three nicholas cage's vampire's kiss this is one of the favorite head trips i've ever been on with a movie um it's largely i believe hated and considered one of like nicholas cage's like worst kind of like over the top movies but it is outstanding if you take this movie at like a literal at a literal fa- literal face value, it pulls off its intended message perfectly. And Nicolas Cage's performance, while absolutely insane, and his accent changes in every scene, sometimes in the middle of scenes, is just the perfect kind of horror movie for me. Yeah. Yeah, Nicolas Cage is the greatest character actor of all time because he's such a character that he can mold his character into any role and it instantly makes the role captivating, oftentimes for the wrong reasons, but you still want to watch it. He's like he's like a better version of the guy who did Lincoln. Yeah, he's like a parody um. of Johnny Depp. Yeah, he, he's one of the most transformative character actors we've seen. And I don't think anyone will ever hold the torch to him. Now, except for, not necessarily an acting performance, but this man is the is as important to f- a- directing as fucking Nicolas Cage is to acting. It's Werner Herzog and his remake of the original Nosferatu in 1979. What Nosferatu, a great movie. The Van Pier. The greatest remake ever made. The most lovingly beautiful cinematic movie. I would kill somebody to see this on 35mm in a theater. Um, yeah, there, it's it's a genuinely great movie that if you watch it, you'll gain more respect for silent movies as well. And German expressionism. It makes you respect yeah. film more. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, this is... It's a movie that could be wax poetic about by film majors for the yeah, next 30 years. For 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 wrestling fans, this is like the equivalent of Rock Hogan at Mania 18, where they barely wrestle, but the crowd's hot for everything. It's the exact same thing, but in yeah, movie you form. Don't, you don't have to give a shit about horror or the original. This is right. a good movie. Um, now, my last, my, my number one is a movie that will not be enjoyed um by i think any kind of definition of what a casual uh audience could be considered this is the follow-up to to one of my favorite favorite horror movies by julia Ducarnia. Ducarnia um is the movie titan i titan. need to watch this i have one friend out here who's down to go to the theater with me and I really want to take him to this, but he's an animator at DreamWorks. So oh, yeah, he I, needs I, to see it. I feel like he's not... I feel like he doesn't have the right mental capacity for a movie like this. But I'm sure. so excited to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is 
I can't talk about what happens in the movie because you need to just fucking see it. But the movie, I saw one trailer for this movie and then watched nothing else. I was genuinely blown away and this surprised and captivated. This is the sequel to the person who did Raw. Yeah, so 2016's Raw was my favorite movie of 2016. It sits in my top 10 horror movies of all time. It is one of the greatest sophomore performances I've ever seen out of a director. It won cons. It won the Con uh, Film Festival Palm, uh, Palm d'Or, their highest prize, and it deserved it. And it was the and she was the first female filmmaker to ever win the film by by herself, not in conjunction with another director. Um, it is genuinely a captivating, beautiful film. It is strange it is it goes so many different directions but it is 100 worth it it is a captivating ride even if you're not a fan of this kind of very french heady very like intense and weird horror it is the best way to describe this is is if someone took the the intensity of gaspar noel's movie um climax and mixed it with the Safi brothers either uncut gems or um good time which are two also two of my favorite movies it takes those two movies and those two like aesthetics of almost what could be described as anxiety porn which i think is its own subgenre of horror um that is is something else i snuck i, I left the music box of horrors to go to their small theater, which was showing this during the music box of horrors to see it instead. And it was the best decisions I made in Hollywood and Halloween this year. And that's, so, a, that's our end. That, Honorable that, mention to the it. sink. It's a short film. We, we were going to uh, talk more about the concept of horror evolving over time, but I don't think we really have time for that now. No, because I think it's its own podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's there, there be is its a own great, podcast great discussion to be had we're, we're, we're going to do a comparison and we might do it next week or we might not depends Who knows? on how much my soul exists and the answer to that is not much but you might find a little bit more when it's the fourth time the charm good night everybody love the goldie Brennan you suck now like us on instagram comment Facebook, Reddit.